0: uh fuck (laughs) hello (laughs) hello hi everyone uh bitchin yule everyone it is in fact yule how does one celebrate yule because i am looking for an excuse to drink wine tonight
1: that is all the excuse you need any any holiday of ours, like drink, be merry. Um, a Yule log. Um, but I, honestly, I don't even know what the fuck a Yule log is. Do you? Is it
0: like a cake?
1: Is it that or is it an actual log that you burn?
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the cake is made to look like an actual log that you burn. So I think it's both.
1: Yeah, but is it a special log or like a log you just assign significance? I don't know. I am not a very good witch slash pagan.
0: Uh, I have no clue. All I know is that they baked yule logs on the Great British Baking Show once, <laughs> and it looked really good. That is our entire point of reference. Yeah, for this holiday. <laughs> Great British Baking Show. That's also just. My point of reference for life, really, <laughs> <laughs> limited, <laughs> but <Very pleasant>. narrow, <laughs> but nice. <laughs> it's a little bubble. Mm-hmm. I wish. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> Way to knock that out of the park! <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, it is a. Podcast, um, called Saints and Witches,
1: in which Sarah and I tell each other stories about saints and witches. Yeah. That is
0: Sarah over there. Oh, hello, that is Liz <laughs> over there. Hi, she's the Catholic, I'm the witch. Yeah, and today we are doing a Bible part two episode.
1: I bullied Sarah into it because I'd already done the research and I didn't want to do any more research.
0: Yeah. Well, Liz bullies me into everything. So that's what happens too. behind the scenes of the podcast. If you didn't know.
1: I abuse her from what? Seven miles, seven, seven hours <laughs> south.
0: Yeah. Like 400 <laughs> miles. Um, yeah. That's a fact. Episode 23, follow up to Osmosis Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I am sticking with the New Testament because I knew you were going to stick with the old. So um, I chose a lady last time. So now I'm choosing a dude and the dude is John the Baptist. He is an important figure in many different religions, including all the Christians, the Christian ones, all those Um, Also Judaism, Islam, and others. In Eastern Christianity, he's known as John the Forerunner. In some Baptist traditions, apparently, he's known as John the Immerser. Never heard that before. Um, And in Islam, he is John the Prophet. Because he is such a hugely important figure, there's tons of writing, scholarship about him, I didn't have time to read and synthesize everything. Also, I didn't feel like it. (laughs) That is the mood with me constantly. Yeah. Um, I'm mainly sticking with like the Catholic view of John the Baptist. That's my like perspective. Because it's correct. And everyone else is wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's That's what I'm saying. Uh, (laughs) No, it's just like what I know. Um, so I didn't want to do the extra work of figuring out what every other religion also thinks about him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I try to do. And it's like, none of y'all have a cohesive thought about anything. Yeah. No one had a meeting. There was no group email.
0: No. And, um, we will get to, at the end, I will talk about the relic situation, which is a whole fucking can of worms. But, um and that even he's a can of worms yes he is a literal can (laughs) of worms um (laughs) no (laughs) I mean maybe perhaps so like even that took forever so I can't even imagine how long I would have to talk to get to everything that every religion thinks about him I don't know um so if I leave stuff out well I will leave stuff out but I apologize um I'm doing my best and it's just not good enough. (laughs) It's more apparent every day. (laughs) Um, Okay, so just like Mary Magdalene, John the Baptist is mentioned in all four canonical or synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So for our biblical evidence, we will start with Luke, because Luke tells us about John's conception. He goes way far back. So we go to Luke chapter 1, There's this guy named Zechariah, and Zechariah is a Jewish priest. He and his wife, Elizabeth, have no children, and they are beyond childbearing age. During Zechariah's rotation at the temple in Jerusalem, the archangel Gabriel appears to him and is like, what's up? You and Elizabeth are going to have a son, okay? And you have to name him John. That's really important. (laughs) Um John was not a name that was used in either Zachariah's or Elizabeth's family, so it was weird that the angel would tell him that not a normal name that they would pick. Zachariah is like, No way, I don't believe you. you're lying. this is weird. And Gabriel's like, Okay, fine, you don't believe me now you can't talk until the baby's born. <laughs> it's like super petty. <laughs> Um, So according to Luke, John the Baptist is conceived in this like miraculous way. Luke gives us another exclusive account, exclusive to the Gospels. I mean, he's the only one that talks about this. An exclusive account of Elizabeth, John's mother, meeting Mary, the mother of Jesus, while both of them are pregnant. Luke says that the two women are related. The book of Luke is the only evidence of them being related i grew up always thinking and being told that elizabeth mother of john the baptist and mary mother of jesus were cousins that's just like what we were told turns out we have very little evidence of that so that was kind of a big shock to me um but luke says the two women are related so luke chapter 1 says mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of judah where she entered the house of Zachariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit cried out in a loud voice and said, most blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for at the moment, the sound of your greeting reached my ears the infant in my womb leaped for joy. So Luke is the only place that we hear that story. So when the baby's born, Zechariah's relatives want to name the baby after him, but he writes on a piece of paper because he can't talk. He writes, um, his name is John. And that's when he recovers his ability to speak because he was finally like obedient to God again in that moment. And after that, Zechariah is given the gift of prophecy. So at his son John's circumcision... Zechariah prophesies about John's future and about the ministry of Jesus in what's later called the Benedictus Canticle or the Song of Zechariah. So, this is like just a little snippet of it. Um, you, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. So, that's his little prophecy. So Luke gives us those early moments, but then we skip ahead like 30 years to when John is preaching. So Luke chapter three begins in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee and his brother, Philip tetrarch of the region, the region of I'm not even going (laughs) to fucking try it's extra. He gives you all the rulers, which we don't really need. Um, and then he says, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. I didn't know what the fuck a Tetrarch was, which is hilarious in hindsight, because I talked about it in episode 21 <laughs> and without even knowing it. Um, it's when a kingdom is divided up into four parts, each, rule, each ruled by a different person. So oh like when like they gave it to their brothers. Yeah, same thing. Um, So this is the time of the Herodian Tetrarchy. That doesn't really matter that much. (laughs) But just remember that Herod is ruling over Galilee. He will be important later. A surprise tool that (laughs) will help us later. (laughs) Um, Okay, so now the Gospel of John, which was not written by John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, lots of Johns. The Gospel of John opens with Uh, Quote: A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Light, light, light. (laughs) Light is the situation here. Um, Okay, Matthew chapter three, we get a little like physical description of John. Chapter three says, John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. Fanny pack. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um, His food was locusts and wild honey. He's the weird hippie dude. No. (laughs) That you avoid on the street. (laughs) He tries to convince you it's protein. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) Crunchy no (laughs) no i refuse um at that time jerusalem all judea and the whole region around the jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the jordan river as they acknowledged their sins now john chapter one says i'm skipping around a little because each of the gospels gives a like picks and chooses what it what they want to tell you um so i'm trying to combine them all, synthesize into like a cohesive story, but it seems disjointed because I'm a disjointed person. (laughs) Um, Okay. John chapter one says, when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Messiah. So they asked him, what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah, the prophet said. Um, So Matthew also gives an account. It's a little different. This is a longer passage, but it like sums everything up really nicely. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism. Okay, Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm like, I start everything and then I have to stop instantly. Um, I I hear these two words all the time in church and growing up. No clue what they mean. (laughs) So I had to look it up. It's pretty pathetic that I never knew what they were. Um, They are both Jewish sects that were active at the time. Um, Schools of thought slash religious slash philosophical groups of people. Pharisees, I guess, were more focused on interpreting Mosaic law and Sadducees were focused on like their own priestly privilege afforded by being like descendants of King Solomon or something. I'm not... 100% sure they're both hypocritical dicks in the new testament (laughs) uh anyway He said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now, the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So he's saying all that, baptizing people, blah, blah, blah. And one day Jesus comes along to be baptized. I didn't write this down because I forgot. But the gospels all have like different accounts of what happens at jesus's baptism (laughs) i feel like they have different accounts of what happens at everything (laughs) yeah some of them but some instances it's like word for word copying it's weird just peeked at each other's homework (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes so like in some gospels john immediately recognizes jesus And is like, hey, which makes sense. Would make sense if they were like second cousins or whatever. And in some, he doesn't recognize him at all. It's weird. I don't know. I forget which one I'm reading too. So, (laughs) Uh, fuck, I think it's Matthew. It's Matthew. (laughs) I'm really, my head is not in the right place today. Okay. Jesus comes along. Okay. Okay. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me? Jesus said to him in reply, Allow it now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming and coming upon him. And a voice came from the heavens saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So in this one, it says, this is my beloved son. And like everyone hears, including John. In some, it's only that Jesus hears the voice and it says, you are my beloved son. So it varies. So things are fine. John is associating with sinners and tax collectors and with this new guy (laughs) this new guy that seems totally chill um this radical preacher jesus both of them are trash talking the existing order nothing could go wrong (laughs) nothing at all uh yeah no john takes it too far and he starts trash talking herod the tetrarch and specifically, what he says is that Herod's marriage to Herodias is unlawful because he oh, I had know that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about that. I mentioned her way back. Yeah, way, 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 way back. So he's saying that Herod's marriage to Herodias is unlawful because he had divorced his first wife to marry her, and she was formerly married to his half brother. Shit show. So John the Baptist is going around basically like holding up a sign that says like, Herod is gross and his wife is also gross. (laughs) (laughs) And Herod's like, you have gone too far. And he puts John in prison. Which the thing about Herod is that he actually likes John the Baptist, which is weird. But he's like, I can't allow this kind of talk to be happening. So you go to jail now. Right to jail. Straight to jail. Believe it or not, jail. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Jesus is doing his ministry in Galilee, same as last episode. Public healings, exorcisms, the works. And the townspeople ask him lots of questions, especially... The Pharisees and the Sadducees. They try to trick him with their little theological questions a lot. So Luke chapter five says, "And they said to him, "The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, but the disciples of the Fa- and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink." Jesus answered them, "Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them?" But the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new cloak to patch an old one. Otherwise, he will tear the new, and the piece from it will not match the old cloak. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine must be poured into fresh wineskins. And no one who has been drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. Weird. Explanation needed. So the people are like confused about the disconnect between the teachings of John the Baptist and the teachings of Jesus. Why, if John is the forerunner, the one who came to prepare the way, why are their practices so different? So Jesus is explaining that, yeah, they are different. They can't be combined. Jesus isn't coming to patch up Judaism. The gospel can't be contained to the limits of Mosaic law. And the thing about the wedding guests... the wedding guests fasting, I found this explanation on Bible Gateway, which is a really good site. Actually, it sounds dorky, but it's really good because it has all the different translations. So you can click through and be like, what does King James think about this? Oh, King James deleted this book out of the Bible? Huh. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder why? At Song of Solomon. I didn't write that down. Why did I go on that little tangent? Okay. So I found this explanation there. Um, Can the wedding guests fast? The bridal metaphor expresses a new relationship of love between God and his people in, in the person and mission of Jesus to his disciples. It is the inauguration of the new and joyful messianic time of fulfillment and the passing of the old. Any attempt at assimilating the Pharisaic practice of fasting or of extending the preparatory discipline of John's disciples beyond the arrival of the bridegroom would be as futile as sewing a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old cloak or pouring new wine into old wineskins with the resulting destruction of both cloth and wine. Also, the wedding metaphor is an extended one because I think in Matthew, John, and this is before he's imprisoned, He's being asked, like, how do you feel about this new guy, Jesus, coming and baptizing people, which is like your job, like he's trying to take your job or something. And John says, quote, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The best man who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made complete. He must increase. I must decrease. New order. Happy times. Well, not so happy for John because he's in jail. Um, while he's in jail, Matthew tells us that John hears all about Jesus's ministry. So Matthew chapter 11 says, when John heard in prison of the works of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to him with this question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. So they're like, are you the Messiah? And he's like, why don't you fucking look around (laughs) before you ask me that question? (laughs) Dumbass question, Becky. (laughs) Exactly. Um, With less attitude, probably, because Jesus was nicer than I am. But yeah, basically, that's what he says. Um, And he goes on to say, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is like, yeah, John is the real deal, but he's not the Messiah. His teachings were correct for the world that we lived in. Now the world is different, so follow me instead. And uh, that's good because John's days are numbered. Spoiler alert, uh, John dies at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So he's in jail. Mark gives us the most detailed account of John's death. So this is Mark chapter six. Herod was the one who had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. She had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, "'Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you.' He even swore many things to her. "'I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom.' She went out and said to her mother, "'What shall I ask for?' she replied the head of john the baptist the girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request i want you to give me at once on a platter the head of john the baptist the king was deeply distressed but because of his oaths and the guests he did not wish to wi- he did not wish to break his word to her so he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back his head he went off and beheaded him in the prison he brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl the girl in turn gave it to her mother when his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Uh, yeah, it's not a good look, um, I wouldn't say. Just, like, beheading somebody you like just because you don't want to look bad at a party. So the daughter is unnamed in the New Testament, but most scholars agree that her name is, apparently it's pronounced Salome, which is stupid because it sounds like salami. <laughs> um, I wanted it to be prettier.
1: <laughs> I, I wanted to like
0: salome, so yeah. Well, yeah, it's pronounced a lot of different ways. I don't like salome. It's it's, <laughs> it's too
1: like And my daughter, Salami. <laughs>
0: <Salome>. <laughs> yeah, so she's Herod's stepdaughter. She has a really cool story in her own right. She actually gets married to her uncle, which is crazy, but Gross. um yeah. And pop culture has been, like, fascinated with her and with this whole situation for, like, centuries. This, like, beautiful girl, the temptress, who, like, enchants people with her dancing. Um, Medieval Christian artists depicted her as, like, an icon of dangerous female seductiveness, which, like, signed me up. (laughs) Um, In Oscar Wilde's play, Salome... (laughs) That's what it's called, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Like, I don't know the actual right way. In his play, she's the femme fatale, so.
1: Well, I am going to name, like, a character after her or yeah. something. Like, one of my strippers, since I have so many of
0: them. That's a good one. That's a good idea. And, of course, her mother, Herodias, like you mentioned way back in episode two, has been conflated with Aradio. Mm-hmm. In Christian mythology of the early Middle Ages, Herodias was portrayed as a spirit condemned to wander the sky forever as punishment for the role she played in John the Baptist's death. I think you said this exact thing. Um, And she's only allowed to rest in treetops between midnight and dawn. So this like creepy shadowy figure. The beheading of John the Baptist is an actual feast day itself celebrated on August 29th. That feast day is almost as old as the feast day celebrating his birth, which is one of the oldest liturgical celebrations in the church. It's celebrated by Roman Catholics as well as Lutherans and Anglicans and the Eastern Orthodox and Byzantine churches. In the Russian, Macedonian, Serbian, and Ethiopian churches, it's celebrated on September 11th, and it's usually observed with strict fasting, and in some cultures, people celebrating will not use knives to eat. Um, okay, Relics. This will be the longest relics section probably ever on the podcast, even like going forward. I can't imagine one being longer than this. (laughs) Um, Okay. According to ancient tradition, John the Baptist was buried in Jerusalem, um, the West Bank. We have historical mention of his relics being honored there in the middle of the fourth century. Then, according to a couple different historians, the shrine was desecrated in 362 and the bones were partially burned. Some of the rescued relics were taken to Jerusalem and then to Alexandria, where on the 27th of May 395, they were laid in the basilica that was newly dedicated to John the Baptist. It was one of the temples that had been like converted the way they used to do in Egypt. The original Jerusalem tomb continued to be visited by pilgrims, including St. Jerome, who witnessed miracles on that site. Today, it's the site of a mosque. So what happened to his head? That is the question of the day. (laughs) Some historians say that Herodias had it buried in the fortress of, I forgot to look that up, Macaris, I'm going to guess, in Jordan. Others say that it was interred at Herod's palace in Jerusalem and that it was found there during the reign of Constantine and then secretly taken to Phoenicia, where it was hidden, unknown for years until someone had a revelation in 453 that revealed it. Um, There have been so many discrepancies in the legends of these relics over the centuries. Several different locations claim to possess the severed head of John the Baptist, so here they all are. Roman Catholic tradition holds that the head on display in San Silvestro in Rome is the head of John the Baptist. Pope Benedict XVI maintained this position in August 2012, so pretty recently. Islamic tradition says that the head of John the Baptist was interred in the Basilica of St. John the Baptist in Damascus. In medieval times, it was rumored that the Knights Templar had possession of the head. And multiple records from their Inquisition in the early 14th century make reference to some form of head worship, which sounds gross now that I say it out loud. The weird
1: uh, thing that they they were worshipping. Yeah. My words just completely escaped me. Baphomet. There we go. Yeah. All that nonsense.
0: They were doing some weird nonsense with somebody's head. (laughs) maybe john the baptist maybe a demon maybe they're having lots of gay sex we
1: really don't know
0: we don't we can speculate Uh, we love to speculate (laughs) 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 um amiens cathedral claims the head as a relic brought from constantinople during the fourth crusade (laughs) so maybe it's in france we don't know Um, The Greek Orthodox John the Baptist Church in Jerusalem displays a fragment of the skull of John the Baptist, which was said to be found during a renovation of the church done in 1890. I picture like somebody sweeping up the basement or whatever, just normal renovations, normal wear and tear. What's this? Oh, my God. I've told
1: you this story about my uh, great grandpa cleaning at the funeral home garage and
0: finding a head, right? Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: Wait, finding it where? In a... In a uh, I was in a fast food bag.
0: In, like, a freezer or something?
1: No, like, on the floor.
0: How did it not smell? It did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it had been there for a
1: while, because the state wouldn't bury the guy. But Why not? Because yeah. uh, they don't like footing the bill. They like it when the funeral homes will just cover it. And yeah. my family was like, we're not really going to do that. Um, but yeah, they're like, hey, don't look in that, that bag. There's a head in that bag. And he's oh my like, God. I'll do whatever I want. I'm going clean this garage. <laughs> and then you open the bag. There was a head Ooh, in it. So disgusting. Yeah, it, it, it was my great grandfather sweeping a basement and he found uh, a head, just a
0: random head. Wow. That's fucking gross. Um, he finds the, the fast the food head bag. He's like, mm, maybe some. Maybe some cold fries. Nope. (laughs) No. Not a four for four combo. (laughs) It's not a Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's the head of John the Baptist. I would never look at another fast food bag the same again. I probably would because I love fast food so much. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing can deter me. Um, One time... This is not an appropriate story to tell, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. One time I went to Thai Taste, which is a lovely little restaurant in Carbondale, Illinois, and um, I I got half my food to go. It was a yellow curry. Delicious. I threw up that night. We won't discuss why, but I did. (laughs) And so I saw the curry in reverse, as you do. (laughs) And then that was about 7 p.m., And then around 11 p.m., I was very hungry. So I go to the fridge and I eat all my leftovers. (laughs) (laughs) I felt no shame about this. I felt no disgust. So that's the kind of person I am. So I think I would be fine even if I found a severed head in a fast food bag. (laughs) Anyway, um, back to this bullshit, this nonsense, these crazy heathens. Okay, okay. A reliquary at the Residenz Palace in Munich, Germany, is labeled as containing the skull of John the Baptist. They, like, marked it with a label maker, skull of John the Baptist. Who (laughs) knows if that's real or not? Um, Okay, numerous other relics of John the Baptist also exist, including the following. According to tradition, Luke the Evangelist, writer of the Gospel of Luke, took John's right hand, the hand that baptized Jesus, and brought it to Antioch, his home city, where it performed miracles. According to tradition, the relic would be brought out on the feast of the exaltation of the cross. If the fingers of the hand were open, it was interpreted as a sign of a bountiful year. If the hand was closed, it would be a poor harvest.
1: That just sounds Sounds like a horror story. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Like, take out the shriveled hand. (laughs) does the shriveled hand (laughs) foretell the shriveled hand is looking mighty shriveled (laughs) ah yes
1: (laughs) we shall have a bad year
0: it's like fuck again (laughs) again and again it's like well yeah you live in the desert (laughs) you bunch of dummies um just kidding it's not the desert is it no i mean they mention the desert a lot yeah, I don't know where biomes are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, because if it's a like a nasty dead old hand, it's always going to be kind of like scrunchy, right? It's never going to be like hello. And they're like, Luke, this is like the seventy third year in a row <laughs> that you predicted like bad conditions. <laughs> I don't think the hand works, Luke. We can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> nobody is buying it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah in okay in 1204 after the sack of constantinople by the crusaders the frankish emperor baldwin gave one bone from the wrist of saint john the saint john the baptist to a cistercian abbey in france one little bone It is also said that John the Baptist's arm and a piece of his skull can be found at the palace in Istanbul, Turkey. John's arm was brought from Antioch to Constantinople at the time of Constantine VII. With the fall of Constantinople, the Ottomans seized possession of it. The arm is kept in a gold-embellished silver reliquary. There are several inscriptions on the arm, including the Beloved of God on the forefinger, and this is the hand of the Baptist on the wrist. Literally so many more all over the world. Egypt, Greece, Russia, everywhere. I can't even talk about all of them. I just love the idea that
1: many of these people probably just have this random person's body part. Mm -hmm. No idea where it came from. This person's ghost (laughs) is just hanging around like, guys,
0: I'm not John
1: the Baptist.
0: (laughs) Put it back. (laughs) The ghost is trying so hard to tell you the truth, but you just won't listen yeah and like it's very likely that all his bones just burned that one time when Mm -hmm. his original tomb burned like back in the 4th century like they could all be just gone and all of these are fakes like that's definitely possible Um, yeah that was a weird ending but uh, that's John the Baptist super important guy I didn't really uh, do it a lot of justice (laughs) but uh, here we are What does one pray to him for?
1: Like, I hope they dunk me really good while they baptize me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I would say, like, um, if you are being baptized, someone you know is being baptized, anything like that, uh, he uh, would be a good one to pray to. And, um, I mean, that's the obvious choice, but let's look it up. What else is he the patron of?
1: Insulting the leader and his wife and getting thrown in jail. So if that ever happens to you. He's
0: the guy you pray to. Yep, exactly. Yeah, if you're ever in a weird situation where you uh, get your head cut off. He is the patron saint of many different subjects, including builders, tailors, printers, baptism, obviously, conversion to faith, people dealing with storms and their effects like hail, and people who need healing from spasms or seizures. Does it all ale storms and epilepsy (laughs) (laughs) and baptism yeah a man of many talents (laughs) a renaissance man
1: (laughs) welcome to the rest of the story i was gonna tell last episode um and then realized i didn't have time for it Mm -hmm. um but like i originally when i looked at these stories in the bible like they're they're super short the summaries of them i'm like there's no way this is gonna fill an episode and then i start reading the bible i'm like there are a lot more went into this and they put in that summary got yep. in some background stuff yeah um sarah hopefully pointed out that i ended moses's story last episode with the plagues like just right there in the middle of it like that's how the story ends <laughs> um <laughs> He just makes Egypt a shit show and then. And then leaves. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the rest of it was a segue into this story and I just inelegantly chopped all of it off. So we are picking back up in the clusterfuck that is Egypt underneath the plagues. And then we're going to skip our way forward through time to Samuel and Saul in the Witch of Endor. Cool. Moses' story continues throughout Exodus, beyond that. Um, and for Samuel and Saul, I read the first book of Samuel in the NIV Bible and a bit of second Samuel, and watch videos and cartoons and listen to some sermons. And that's pretty that's pretty much all I did. So did
0: you watch any veggie tales? by chance <laughs> i did not watch any veggie tales
1: i don't need more songs stuck in my head because i've been trying to work and i have
0: the like 50 nifty united states song stuck in my head oh my god i cannot <laughs> get the fucking state song out of my head when it's in my head i go crazy like i have to it's get it's in my out head for drunk. like
1: six days and oh i'll just be god. sitting here and i'll be like Doo, do 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 do
0: Alaska, Arizona, Arizona, Arkansas, 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 California, California, Colorado, 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 Connecticut. (laughs) Fuck, I want to blow my brains out. I'm going to pass it on to you like a fucking virus. (sighs) People people in other countries, you do not understand the weird shit that we have to learn as children in the American school system. Singing
1: the preamble. I mean, Mm. they make us sing everything
0: yeah <laughs> yeah anyway sorry
1: yeah so I, I tried to do all of this amidst that being in the back of my head so there's some people that I just took their word for things and I didn't really do more research into it because I didn't care yeah um also it's kind of funny this go around because my tire got slashed again as oh my you God. know Mm-hmm. Um but I was mad and I couldn't sleep. so I sat up all night one night like I pulled a recliner to the middle of my living room, looking over the the window that looks onto the parking lot and I sat in it waiting in the dark with a cat in my lap like a complete fucking psychopath (laughs) um but at the same time i was listening to podcast sermons which just it felt really thematically kind of strange that i'm like there at 3 a.m with a tire iron like ready to murder someone and my phone's just going remember when your fear overpowers your faith you lose your way now
0: let us pray (laughs) oh my god you're like literally a character out of one of your own books.
1: I truly am. And that is what I have always aspired to be. <laughs> as interesting as the people I write.
0: Yeah. Me too, but I'm not.
1: <laughs> you need to pop out of more weird people's closets and greet them in British voices. Yeah,
0: I need to steal more people's cocaine. <laughs> That's what I need to do. You need to join a
1: cult. Uh huh. Um, check. <laughs> <laughs> Join a second cult.
0: Oof, don't have enough time.
1: Start a third cult. Mm, okay, I can do that. Anywho, um, all of this out of the way, um, I'm glossing kind of over through the rest of most of the story because it's not super important. It's just like a bridge. Um, so he hits Egypt with the last of the plagues. The Pharaoh finally agrees to let Moses and his people go. He's had it with all the nonsense. They leave. Uh, Pharaoh changes his mind. God knew he was going to do this. Plan for it uh god has led moses and the israelites to the red sea on purpose which moses parts we all know this story it's not a funny meme about it the other day where it was like this fish in a business suit talking to this other fish <laughs> and he's like why were you late for work he's like you're never gonna believe it and it's just the sea parted and he's on the other side going oh fuck
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: Oh, it's funny. Um, Moses and the Israelites cross. The Egyptians follow. God jams up the wheels of their chariots and drowns the army. Um, Super chill stuff. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. The Israelites are now free, but without a home. Um, So, like, commence the whole wandering around portion of the Bible for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Moses is kind of steering and taking care of them because they are constant, constant complainers and also kind of constant fuck ups.
0: Yeah, Um, they suck.
1: Yeah, like they learned they are like a bunch of toddlers. It's not good. Mm -hmm. Um He makes his famous trip of Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments. And he comes down and finds out the Israelites started worshiping idols in the days that he was gone. Because he can't take his eyes off of them for five goddamn minutes without them doing something stupid. And he dashes the Ten Commandments to the ground and just just destroys them. And, uh, you know, he's got to go up the mountain and get new tablets. But, I mean, (laughs) you know, you've screwed up when a guy looks at you and smashes God's word to pieces...
0: Yeah. It's not a good sign. It's not a good uh metaphor.
1: No. Like Jesus Christ. Um more wandering through the desert for a really long time. Uh Moses fucks up at one point by smacking a rock for water instead of sweet talking it like God told him to.
0: <laughs> Weird image, but okay. Carry on. <laughs> I'm just going to sit with that one. Will you continue?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope you do. Um, So Moses no longer gets to enter the promised land. Once they find it, he dies outside of it. The reason I continue his story is because of the Ten Commandments. Uh, The Ten Commandments, the tablets get put inside something called the Ark of the Covenant, Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm just going to describe as a really fancy chest. Um, It is way more fancy than that. But just imagine a chest and Uh it's really super cool love it and ornate Um, and this chest with the tablets gets hauled around everywhere apparently Um, it's like they're emotional support tablets I Mm
0: -hmm. guess yeah Um, nowadays we have (laughs) Xanax (laughs) those are our emotional support tablets
1: yes you had to haul around the word of god
0: everywhere you went (laughs) Uphill both ways (laughs) In the snow
1: Yeah It's super special and cherished And it's almost like a stand-in for God In the eyes of the Israelites and their enemies Um, Eventually years down the line Years and years down the line It falls into the care of two priests Um, I'm just going to disclaimer right now that I looked up a lot of the names in this story and found like 12 different pronunciations for them so yeah. I'm just gonna say them how I want to say them and um if you don't like that take it up with the internet okay I will um it falls into the care of two priests Hophni and Phineas who are just complete shitheads everything <laughs> that priests are not supposed to do Ugh. like they sleep with women mm-hmm. and uh they like steal from sacrifices and stuff it's just really not a good look yeah um they're the important bridge of my story because their father is a priest named eli um who is at the moment raising and training a young prophet named samuel okay figure in our story and brief pause because I don't think that I've really mentioned it at this point and I was a little confused um whenever I started reading about prophets like what they were in the bible mm-hmm. prophets do prophesy things like this will happen to you tomorrow and then this will happen and this will happen in the future or like you're gonna die or you're gonna be king or your bloodline is cursed um yeah. But they're also just like the mouthpieces of God in Mm -hmm. a lot of cases, Mm because not everybody can hear the voice of God like they can. So they just speak on his behalf. Yeah. So that's like their two kind of major functions um, and also like performing like cool miracle stuff some shit we're going to temporarily ditch Hophni and Phineas and Eli to talk about Samuel and his unique birth which you talked about like Elizabeth and like not having like kids or whatever well we have another woman without children here
0: yeah so I was going to mention that but I forgot that um some people think because Luke's account of um John the Baptist's birth is the only one. Some people think that it was basically just like copied from the story of Samuel.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of things that repeat. And even within the story, there's something that repeats that I point out. Um, But yeah, there are things like that that just show up kind of again and again. Yeah. But Samuel, his unique birth, his father is a man named Elkanah or Elkanah um, who has two wives. The pronunciation i'm going with is panina like panini love it (laughs) yes uh salami and panini
0: (laughs) oh my god are you (laughs) kidding me are those his two wives no oh shit
1: no 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 i got excited Um, (laughs) the other one's name is hannah which is really boring okay got it sorry my friend hannah
0: um, who is listening
1: to this podcast?
0: Your name sucks. Just kidding. It's not that bad. It's normal. It's a
1: palindrome.
0: Yeah, so that makes it better than mine, which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: there's Panina who can have children, does have children, and Hannah who cannot have children, does not have children. Mm. Um Panina teases Hannah pretty ruthlessly about how she has kids and Hannah doesn't all what of the a bitch. time like it's just a really chill like situation in the house
0: <laughs> yeah no emotional drama.
1: no it's like an episode of sister wives that just
0: dude I unironically love that show <laughs> I cannot get enough of it but I don't need to go on that tangent right now
1: <laughs> but yeah kind of imagine like a, a little bit of a situation like that Let's see. Uh, Hannah, she keeps mourning the fact that she can't have kids, um, and her husband is like, "Well, I love you more than Penina. Also, I'm better than ten sons. So, like, does that make you feel better?" What? She's like, <laughs> "She's like, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> is
0: that supposed Divorce. to cheer me up?" <laughs> right. What a weird thing to say. Read the I'm, fucking
1: room. And you know, Penina standing in the background. <laughs> what? You love her more than me. I've given you so many kids. He's like, oh. it's nothing personal. Oh, my God.
0: It's nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> Just business, baby. What the fuck? What a weirdo. Um, Let's see.
1: So, one day... Hannah goes to Eli's temple, and she gets down, and she mouths a prayer to, you know, have a baby, saying that she'll dedicate the baby's life to God if she could possibly have one, Mm. and Eli sees this woman, her mouth going but making no noise, and he comes to the only logical conclusion that there is, that she's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, lady, you're drunk, you need to stop the imbibing of the wine, like it's getting a little ridiculous. Okay. Um, to which hannah says i'm not drunk i'm praying like jesus christ i'm a good person (laughs) leave me alone eli says you know kind of chastise uh well i hope that whatever you prayed for is granted then and blesses hannah she goes home she sleeps with her husband it literally says that she sleeps with her husband Mm -hmm. um and I like the NIV version because it says, like, makes love to, her, like, his wife or whatever instead of, like, laid with and all of the weird biblical language. Yeah. He knew her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I would hope so. It's his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That always confused me as a kid.
1: Yeah. After she sleeps with her husband, she gets pregnant with Samuel. Um When he's born and he's weaned, she keeps her promise and she dedicates Samuel to the service of God and goes to Eli and just, like, hands over the baby. He's like, here, he's yours now.
0: (laughs) Wait, how old is he when she does that?
1: Old enough to be weaned, and I guess that's a little bit subjective. Because you can wean a baby kind of whenever you want to.
0: Right. Hmm. So he's like a baby baby, though.
1: Yeah, unless she's, like, one of those moms that, like, had him on the boob for, like, four years. So Ugh.
0: Disgusting. <laughs> I was reading this. Sorry, I'm really sorry I keep going on tangents. No, you're fine. I was reading this, like, advice column because I love to read advice columns. And this lady was like, my six-year-old daughter wants to breastfeed again. Should I let her? It's like, no. <laughs> Why did you write
1: to the column (laughs) at at that point it's going to start turning into a fetish and you just need to cut that out like yeah
0: yeah if they're old enough to remember it later (laughs) they're too old (laughs) no (laughs) yeah sorry
1: yeah so she just gives samuel to eli um and i'm very amused that she prayed for this kid like so fervently and then she just gives him away yeah um yeah, and I'm sure Eli is very confused. Like, ma'am, this is a temple, not an orphanage. <laughs> ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> Samuel grows under the tutelage of Eli. Um, I love the story of the first time that God speaks to Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just lying there for bed, and he hears his name called, and he goes to Eli, who's half asleep, and he's like, you called for me? And Eli <laughs> leans up, groggy kid. No. Go back to bed. I didn't say her name. So yeah. Samuel goes and it happens again. And he goes back to Eli again. You called for me? Jesus Christ, kid. No. <laughs> Go back to bed. Okay. It happens again. Off he goes to Eli. And this time Eli's like, you know what, kid, I bet it's God. Just just say hi back next time. We can <laughs> stop this runaround. Mm-hmm. Um So Samuel goes to lie back down and he hears his name said again and he says, hello. And God's like, oh, you picked up this time. Cool. Listen, (laughs) I've
0: been trying to reach you about your car's extended (laughs) ward. Oh my gosh, that got me good. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Wow. Nice. Really nice.
1: (laughs) Really, he tells Samuel that Eli's sons are going to die because they suck. Um, And Samuel obviously does not want to deliver that message to Eli. Mm -hmm. Um, God said that he's going to kill your sons, Um, but he does. um, And Eli is like, yeah, my sons do suck. Um, (laughs) So I guess whatever God thinks is right is fine by me, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Um, What ends up happening is that the Philistines attack the Israelites and another brief pause, kind of like you did. Who the fuck are the Philistines? Don't know. Um, The Old Testament is chock full of roaming bands of Enes and Ites who just constantly kill each other. Yeah. Um, The Philistines are like these constant enemies to the Israelites in the Bible. In actual history, we have like very few records of their having existed at all. Mm. And um, of those records, all of those records, uh, they were written by their enemies. Um, Like I completely destroyed the Philistines in battle. Mm. Um, We don't have any uh surviving text from them they never wrote anything Hmm. nor do we have solid archaeological evidence of them or their battles with the israelites they're kind of similar to the druids in that way i guess only the enemy is getting the word in on them and also archaeologists have like no idea what a philistine artifact is even supposed to look like Hmm. um because of, like, the lack of records and stuff. So anything that is found is just a complete debate. Hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. I mean, they did it with the druids, too. Like, nobody explained, like, exactly what their practices look like. So when they find, like, something that looks like a priest, they're like, it's a druid. And they're like, yeah. where is it just a priest?
0: <laughs> they don't have any books, except this one book. <laughs> but don't look at it for too long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, the Philistines attack, um, and it doesn't look great, Um, and the Israelites are like, hey, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant to the battlefield because it'll scare them. Mm. And also, like, how can we lose with God symbolically on the battlefield with us? Mm. What could go wrong? Mm -hmm. Remember, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, these are the two priests who are in charge of it. So, they are out there with it when it's brought onto the battlefield. Mm -hmm. The battle does not go well um understatement at all uh <laughs> at all um the israelites lose big i forget how many casualties i want to say it was something big like thirty thousand or something mm-hmm. it's it's some really big number um, but among the casualties are these two brothers and the ark gets stolen Oy. by the philistines ruh Eli is told of his two sons' deaths and the Ark's theft, and he's like, oh my god, the Ark was stolen? And the messenger's like, and your sons are dead. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, my sons Hobart and Philip or whatever, but the Ark was stolen. <laughs>
0: Hobart and Philip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow um but this scene i pulled it because i laughed at it um it really does seem like eli doesn't care about his sons at all um yeah. this is from first samuel uh chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 uh he the messenger told eli i have just come from the battle line i fled from it this very day eli asked what happened to my son The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead and the Ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell backward off of his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died. (gasps) whoa what the fuck yeah he does die, and i did embellish a little bit but i mean it it literally says like his dramatic fall over in death is to like the ark being stolen yeah
0: not his kids (laughs) no (laughs) i hope they know in the afterlife
1: yeah Mm -hmm. fuck them
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um all three of their deaths eli's now dead pretty much just make room for samuel to easily step up into power as like a young man um, he is rather beloved by his people during his career over the years as a prophet, and later in life, he has two sons, um, who he installs as judges in the land. But they are corrupt, which oh, is great. like I mentioned, like the thematic stuff that keeps like reappearing. Um, so, two corrupt sons, yeah, two corrupt brothers in power. Um, their corruption, paired with the attacks that keep happening, lead the Israelites to ask for better leadership give us a king like everybody else has. They Do say. better. <laughs> yeah. The, the, just give us a fucking king. We're over it. Um. And Samuel's like, what, are my corrupt sons not good enough for you or something? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, they kind of suck and we would rather have a king. Yeah. And Samuel's like, oh, so God, your Lord isn't good enough for you either. And they're like, Jesus Christ, we just want a single king tangible normal leader like everybody else
0: can i please get a waffle (laughs) (laughs) so
1: samuel says hey god do you want to weigh in on this and god's like meh sure give him a king um just give him a list of like cons to having a king first like how they'll have to be like drafted into the army and i'll have to like pay blah 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 Mm. um and by the way i'm gonna pick the king like they don't get to have a say in it i'm gonna pick the king (laughs)
0: <laughs> people are like i don't know about these terms <laughs> <laughs> you ask the weird
1: magic invisible sky man and mm-hmm. for a king and you get to pick it okay whatever yeah um over on stage right is saul who is looking for his father's missing donkeys with a serpent um the servant suggests they just go ask a prophet said to live nearby where the donkeys went to save time which i think is hilarious that they just give up they're like hey why don't we just go find this magical being who knows everything and just ask him where the donkeys
0: <laughs> time management
1: <laughs> truly a servant needed a raise
0: that's what we would do if we were them <laughs> I-, I wouldn't have looked anywhere to begin with i would have gone to the prophet immediately i would have been like fuck let's just get drunk what a shitty day.
1: we <laughs> will come home. If yeah. not, we'll buy new donkeys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll yep. steal someone someone else's on <laughs> the way home.
0: <laughs> we could have been executed so fast. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: In any time period you place us. <laughs> Just
0: executed.
1: <laughs> Off they go to find the prophet. Mm-hmm. The day before, God told Samuel he would meet the future king today. Mm. So when Saul comes up to him for help, god pops up in samuel's head ding dong this is the man that i told you about mm. um so samuel sweeps Saul up and feeds him and you know tells him all of these things that he needs to do um by the way he says like the donkeys are fine like they got home you don't even need to worry about that anymore
0: oh happy ending
1: Yes. So Saul takes this list that Samuel gives him and he goes and he does all of these things. Um, I didn't write them down, but I mean, like he has to meet certain people and he has to do like some prophesying with some prophets and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, He knows that like he's going to be important. Um, And after some days and he's completed the tasks in a public spectacle, he is anointed the king over the Israelites. Cool. He does some stuff to get the haters to like him because there are people who do not like that he was chosen king. And he is reaffirmed as king after he does those things. At one point, Samuel gives this farewell speech um, where he's like, I was awesome, wasn't I? <laughs> I never screwed you guys over like just to the crowd he's like i was fantastic was i not (laughs) (laughs) they're like no (laughs) and the israelites are like yeah you know you never stole from us you never did anything like terrible Mm. like your son sucked but like you were great yeah um and samuel's like okay then why have you guys shit all over me and god time and time again (laughs) (laughs) It's a complete dressing down of these people.
0: (laughs) They're like, literally, I came out here to have a good time. I am feeling so attacked. Really?
1: He's like, have you guys learned nothing? Like, your ancestors kept praying to false gods. And then you, learning nothing, ask me for a king to lead you. Mm -hmm. And quote, "Uh, now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Saul is standing there awkwardly, I imagine, through the whole speech.
0: Right. He's like, who's the king? I hate that new king. He's like, why did I come here? Right. Wow.
1: That's so awkward. He's like, can I resign? Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like a one big ass trap. Mm -hmm. I don't know why Samuel is giving a farewell, by the way, in this chapter. I didn't bother to figure it out um, because he's still in the next chapters doing stuff Mm -hmm. as Saul's downfall begins, which starts with a battle against the Philistines. Um, The Israelites attack the Philistines and are then approached by a massive force of them in retaliation. Mm -hmm. Um, They hide in caves and stuff. And Samuel tells them, you know, wait seven days and then I'll come. I don't know what he was going to do in the seven days. If he's going to make a sacrifice, if he was going to like do some command. I don't, I don't know. He just says wait seven days. Um, But the seventh day hits and Samuel doesn't show up and the men start fleeing because they're nervous. Um, And Saul, in an effort to keep his men from dispersing, makes a sacrifice to God on his own. So he'll have God's good favor for the coming battle. Okay. He's like, I'll just take it into my own hands. Yeah. Right after the sacrifice, Samuel shows up, sees the sacrifice, and yells to Saul, quote, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Ouch. So, this is Saul's first screw-up. Sometime later, oh, I didn't even close to Google how to say this. I'm going to throw <laughs> myself into it. Um, sometime later, God orders Saul to slaughter the Amalekites. And that's how I'm choosing to say it. Um, men, women, children, animals, everything. Totally destroy them. And totally is the word that he uses. But Saul, so, totally. Every time I read it, I'm just like, "Oh, that's too modern." He's like, "You just need to totally destroy
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to like totally slaughter them, bro. <laughs> like God is a surfer.
1: Okay, he's from South Cal. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Saul keeps the Amalekite leader alive and also takes like their livestock, all the good livestock for his own." <laughs> um instead of like murdering everything um when confronted by samuel about this saul says well i was gonna sacrifice livestock to god and i was gonna kill the leader of the amalekites too mm-hmm. um samuel chastises him again and says to obey is better than sacrifice which was kind of the moral of saul's first fuck up too mm-hmm. um but I read this story and thought the moral was do what the Lord says or he'll kill you and all your descendants. Um, yeah, it's really it's really harsh because I have an optional like listening disorder, and I would definitely have been like smote three thousand years ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot of little little testy tests and little tricks. Like, um, hey, go kill your son. I was like, I don't feel like it. (laughs) Like, well, then you suck. Um, Yeah, if I was ordered to, like, slaughter my cat, I think uh, I would not do that. (laughs) Yeah. Straight to hell. (laughs) Yes, I guess so. And, you know, (laughs) I, I, I feel okay about that decision still. I'll be down
1: there with my cat. Right. Um. After listening to some podcast sermons, um, I could see, like, an angle on this that wasn't as dark, um, that, you know, it's choosing faith over fear, it's better to trust, to listen, to believe, yada yada. Yeah. And I, I get that, but it it does, on the, like, the surface seem extremely harsh. Yeah. Saul is going to be replaced by a man named David in time, and I'm not going to get super deep into David's story, even where it intersects with Saul's. Um, there are lots of battles and chapters and plot points. Um, it's an interesting story, and it's like the majority of First Samuel. Um, but for the most part, it isn't entirely relevant to the Witch of Endor. so. Okay. Just be aware, anybody who may not know Saul's story, that I have been and will be skipping around through a large portion of it and over certain things entirely. Um, David comes to Saul's court. There's a story behind why. Not going to get into it, just as he's a good musician. Mm -hmm. He plays the lyre. Yeah. Um, He's also, as it turns out, good looking and handy and good in battle and all around just swoon worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Two of Saul's kids fall in love with him, and I'm saying two because Jonathan is definitely in some type of love with uh, David. It's very easy to read their story through a queer lens, but I mean, romantic or not, like, their love for each other is just super intense. Hmm. There's so much crying and kissing and mm-hmm. swearing promises to each other. Love that. I love it so much. It's, it's a really tragic story to read, but really interesting story to read. Mm-hmm um as david continues to be awesome some people start saying things like he's way more awesome in battle than king saul um who is now just like this bitter asshole like overtaken by his failures and they're just constantly being rubbed in his face yeah so saul does the only logical thing and tries to murder david oh repeatedly yikes in in a lot of ways and some of them (laughs) are really dumb too he's like playing the liar for Saul throws a spear at him and then like the <laughs> next day he does it again.
0: <laughs> what the fuck?
1: It's like David knows that this is gonna happen. He's like no, nah, I'll get him next time. <laughs> just don't duck this time. <laughs> like every time he's just overcome with like hatred, he throws
0: his spear at him. Wow. Yikes.
1: But yeah, he does a lot of things uh, to try and kill him. Many, 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 many things happen um that I am skipping for time's sake. There's a whole last story that I am skipping. um, but the whole murder thing turns into this tenuous truce between David and Saul that Saul doesn't really trust probably for good that uh David doesn't trust probably for good reason. yeah, um so he goes to join the Philistines.' Which is like they're enemies. yeah he's like, he's like i'll just I'll just stay over here and like work my way up the ranks. Hmm. Because Saul won't come fuck with me or try to kill me if I'm with our enemies. Mm -hmm. Things are not going great for Saul in the meantime. Samuel kicks the bucket um, and God will no longer communicate with Saul in any way. It says that the Lord doesn't answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. I mentioned the Urim and tumum last episode uh, when I was talking about, like, the double standards of, like, prophecy and divination and things. The Urim and tumum is a tool priests can use for divination. We don't exactly know what these two things were because they're, like, never directly observed in the Bible. Like, they have, like, function in the plot, but nobody looks at them and says what they are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's so frustrating.
1: But I mean, it's uh, like in history when they never write down where cities are at because everybody knows where the city's
0: at. Yeah. And then now we don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's that kind of a thing that, like, Mm -hmm. we know their function, but we don't particularly know what they were. So they could be everything from different colored, like one light, one dark, uh, little stone, bone, wood tablets to, like, engravings in a breastplate. It's just two different things there's this one and another okay one is the urim one is the tumor
0: and um, you like depending on like oh you have a question and then like you interpret them
1: yeah okay. you assign an answer to each one okay so like uh if i were to say like you know, one of my siblings stole money from me. Like I'm going to say that one of my siblings is the Urim and one of them is the Tumum. And uh, whichever one like turns up is the one that stole from me. Okay. And you can ask yes, no. You can ask like, um, should I go to war today? Should I not go to war today? (laughs) Um, To me, it's almost like flipping a coin, like that kind of 50-50 odds yeah, but yes, that is what they use to divine what the what the Lord wants from them, mm-hmm. um, and God's not even answering him through that. Wow. Um, so none of this is working for Saul. The Philistines are getting ready to attack again. He has no guidance, um, so he tells his servants, "Like, hey, go find me a medium, like someone that can talk to the dead, please." And they're like, um, "Sir, you banished all of those people from <laughs> the land." He's like, mm-hmm. "Ah." You're right. I did, in fact, do that. Ah, beans. (laughs) (laughs) But they tell him that there is a medium often indoor. Um, And he's like, ah, okay, then we'll go. We'll go do that. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah. He disguises himself. And he and two men leave for indoor. And I can't remember if I write it later. But um, the reason he disguises himself is, like, obviously I said that the mediums and things have been, like, banished. So it's illegal. Um, And, like, they're not going to do anything for the king. So, like, if the king asked something of them, it would definitely feel like they're getting in trouble. Right. Um, So he just disguises himself. He, like, throws on a cloak or whatever. Um the dead of night they reach the home of the witch of Endor. if it helps think of her as the necromancer of Endor or the medium of Endor, which is how the niv bible translates it um just for accuracy of images sake you know this isn't a green-skinned woman with a pet frog and a cauldron mm-hmm. in a in a cave um mm-hmm. this is just a woman who talks to dead people
0: wait witches aren't green women with frogs in, in a cauldron i thought that's what they all were I wear a lot of foundation. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's really good Foundation. I know, I know. And it's the
1: kind <laughs> that you like wear to cover up tattoos and stuff. Wow. Okay. It's heavy duty shit.
0: Fascinating.
1: So they come to see her and Saul in disguise says, I need you to call up a spirit for me. The witch says, mm, that's illegal for the king. So this kind of feels like a trap. Like, are you going to go report me to the king after I do this? Yeah. i was just trying to figure out if I'm a medium. Saul's so like, no, 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 no. It's totally fine. I promise. No trap here. No trickery. No deception.
0: <laughs> yeah. From behind his, like, he has one of those little, like, the glasses with the nose and the, the mustache. Nose. <laughs> <laughs> no deception here.
1: <laughs> the witch buys it, and she summons, upon request, the spirit of Samuel. Quote, bring up Samuel, Saul said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, "Don't be afraid. What do you see?" The woman said, "I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth." "What does he look like?" he asked. "An old man wearing a robe is coming up," she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. I listened to somebody else read this and they said prostrated.
0: Oh my god. I I'm hate like, that. Sir, it's not the same word. <laughs> I fucking hate that. Did I tell you that one time I was in church and the priest wanted to say, may Jesus bring to completion in you, dot, 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 whatever, whatever. And he said, may Jesus bring you to completion. (laughs) I, my mouth fell open. I looked around. I was like, did anybody else hear that? Oh my God. I wanted to die. I hate shit like that, but I also kind of love it, you know? It sticks with you forever. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I so, like to think that, you know, the priest still thinks about it at like three in the oh, morning. Oh, I'm
0: sure he does. I think about it with joy, but I'm sure he thinks about it with like such dread and terror. It's like I'm never going to speak again in my entire yeah. life. Yeah, I I would quit my day job. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry, so he he prostated himself.
1: He did he pros- he prostated himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when I started my research, I didn't know that there was this weird like logistical kind of controversy around this scene. Um, I didn't know that people cared about it so much, um, but they do. So there are some people who say that God is actually allowing like the real Samuel to be called up here or that God mm. sent Samuel's spirit. But most of the Christians that I ran into were of the opinion that Samuel wasn't really called up by this witch. I see. Um and I found three big reasons why they don't buy it. One, no way she has the juice to do something like that, witches don't have real power. Okay. Two, ghosts are apparently a tricky subject um the bible is kind of inconsistent on spirits in my humble opinion yeah um i dug through the writings of some ecclesiastical scholars in several denominations to piece a solid lore together on like ghosts and spirits um but there's enough wiggle room in the biblical literature that allows for several interpretations of how ghosts and spirits in the afterlife works Yeah, But one of the simplest arguments behind like Earthbound Spirits is that they can't shouldn't be here because spirits should be shuffled off to the afterlife. So Samuel shouldn't be around to call up. He should be in like heaven. Right. Reason three, even if the Witch of Endor somehow had the juice to do this, and (laughs) even if she somehow managed to yoinketh Samuel's (laughs) spirit out of the afterlife.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, yoinketh. I love that (laughs) word. Me too. Several say he shouldn't have risen up from the ground. That implies his spirit was either in hell or was still in his grave with his body. Hmm. And some people have issues with that.
0: Yeah. yeah, but, like, heaven wasn't yet open at the time. Like, it the kingdom of heaven is a New Testament thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, before everybody did go to the same place (laughs) you know what I mean so I don't know I don't know what I think
1: yeah I read so so much stuff and just people arguing with one another and it's like guys I I don't even know what to believe or what I should be telling people is the correct answer or what they should believe and like do spirits stick around in their bodies they're like no how dare you say that (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay god <clears throat> yeesh <laughs> so like everyone has slightly different interpretations on how these things work mm-hmm. and how they're supposed to work if somebody says that, like it's fine that he was in his grave they'll have an issue with the fact that like a witch like called him up like right. a witch shouldn't be able to do that yeah um so it's not necessarily all three that people have issues with. It's, like, whack-a-mole that it's their issue is with one of them somewhere. Yeah,
0: but, and like, why? I think it's sexist because, like, if if there can be prophets who can speak with the voice of God, then like why why isn't she considered that a prop like a prophet if she has this power you know if she's like portrayed as having the power why is it Mm -hmm. okay for dudes to do it but not women Mm i don't know yeah um there's
1: there's a lot of that in there too so It, to me, it just feels like a lot of ways to, I talked about like the double standard of everything of trying to jump through the hoops so you can say that like only some people have magical powers and yeah. other people don't. They're fake. Yeah. They're lies. So, um, because I so many of the sermons that I listened to just turned into like rants telling me to uh, like save my soul as a witch because I was a terrible person. It's like- <laughs> what exactly are we doing different here buddy (laughs) right we're both like drinking on the holidays amen anyway the answer that some of these people had uh to like this whole situation is that well the witch must just be lying and samuel not samuel saul is buying it because saul can't see anything he's just like deferring to the medium this entire time okay um which is where ventriloquism, of all things, comes in. <laughs> okay. I mentioned last episode that ventriloquism mm-hmm. has roots in necromancy. Um, and it's because necromancers could trick clients into hearing spirit voices by using ventriloquism during sessions. Oh. If you go into the Hebrew etymology of what specific acts of witchcraft were illegal, you will find references to ventriloquism. Hmm. Um it was cool to see ventriloquism defined by these people like way back as speaking out of the belly or armpits, um, like anything but naturally out of the mouth. Hmm. So even though like if they knew it was a trick, even though they knew it was a trick, it was still these people who talk with the wrong parts of their body. I mean, it was very supernatural. Yeah. But think of someone like Jeff Dunham. Um, <laughs> Like, without a doubt, he would have freaked out a lot of people 3,000 years ago. Yeah, he freaks
0: me out today in 2020, so.
1: He could have been, like, a god 3,000 years ago. Or right to jail.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right to jail. (laughs) Just straight to jail.
1: It would be really easy for someone with skills like that to convince people that the dead were really the ones speaking, especially if there's not, like, a puppet involved and the voices are just coming out of nowhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that it works, too, the same way that during, like, the spiritual movement in England, they caught frauds who set up, you know, those contraptions that, like, knocked on the undersides of tables and shook things and flickered the lights and stuff. Mm -hmm. So ventriloquism is possible if the witch wasn't just simply speaking herself and saying it was Samuel. Like, Mm -hmm. I I see this and he's saying this. Um, So there are, like, two ways that she could have just been lying and Saul was buying it. Okay. For me, it doesn't quite answer how this like phantom specter of Samuel knows things that Samuel told Saul in the past, yeah. um, or how it's able to like accurately prophesy the future, mostly accurately. This is why some people say it's really God allowing Samuel to be called up because why, again, why should she have any real power? It's got to be God. Um, it's why others argue that the witch has actually called up a demon. Oh. In the guise of Saul. And the demon has the potential to have this supernatural knowledge as someone who exists in like the supernatural plane. Mm-hmm. This is what I mentioned with that Puritan blog. Um uh, you know, in my research, a million articles about like mediums are speaking to demons, not ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, articles, sermons, podcasts. I told you one of them ranted at me and told me I'd forsaken the light of the Lord and I needed to repent. And I'm like, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could have gotten this whole whole episode like fine, but you yeah. just had to make it personal and judgy.
0: Yeah.
1: I also read one article that said. If a modern medium talks to your dead family member, which is really a demon pretending to be them, remember, it means your family member had a demon in them or hanging around them gathering knowledge about their life to pair it to the medium later. Sorry, not sorry to tell you this. What the heck? I'm like, that's a little rude. like, you just want to talk to like, Grandpa Bob who died of cancer. And they're like, well, he was obviously possessed by demons.
0: Right. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. So some some of these people their their stuff just gets really judgmental and they don't like it. Yeah. Whatever the logistics of this little séance the spectre of Samuel says Mostly accurately, quote, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So not only making reference to the fact, knowing that like David is the like future King, Mm -hmm. but like what is going to happen in the future. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the specter disappears. And uh, Saul is kind of overcome with all of these emotions. The witch badgers him into eating a meal before sending him and his, uh, like, two servants on his way. He goes home. Yeah, he's like, I just, I can't eat right now. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let me make you soup. Come on. Come Come come
0: here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how's she a bad person? Like, she literally feeds him. Yeah, nice old lady. Yeah, she's like, this.
1: the king was in my house. I'm just going to feed him, do whatever yeah. he wants. I don't know what business is, what's going on in his life, but let's see here. Saul goes home, prepares for battle, and what the specter said happens will happen, essentially happens. Um, Saul's prophesied end does come in a bloody battle with the Philistines, all but one of his sons are killed and this is how people argue that it's a demon not god behind the specter because if it was god he would be 100 percent right and all of his sons would be dead but Mm -hmm. a demon wouldn't have that information
0: but so how do you know what information the demons can have then like you can't have it both ways where you say you're right and then you just like make up whatever you want
1: (laughs) You know, you you understand what I I had to drudge through. Yeah, the,
0: like nobody knows anything. Like. People just. I think it's fine to just
1: say you don't have an answer. Like to say the Bible contradicts itself. It was written by a bunch of different people instead of jumping through a bunch of fucking hoops to make it all make sense. Yeah, we don't have to do that. Just admit there are plot holes.
0: Yeah, it's never gonna all make sense. And even if it did, it wouldn't be the answer that you wanted. So. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, maybe just let things not make sense. Yeah so bloody battle bloody battle all but one of his sons are killed saul's like you know if the philistines get their hands on me like they're gonna like torture me and everything and make my life a living hell um and says like hey armor bearer will you please like kill me put me out of my misery before they can get their hands on me and saul's armor bearer won't do it yeah he's like but I mean, that also feels like a trap. Like, hey, you know, my dude who's so much lower than me, could you kill the king, please? Right. Just like <laughs> stab me right here.
0: Right. Your He's life,
1: like, mm. nothing will change. It'll be fine. No one mm. will hate you. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. So he says no. And Saul then throws himself on his own sword. Oof. Um, which I, I always, again, with me imagining deaths, like how does that work do yeah you do you like, your, you like you okay. like hold it out and then like fall forward and hope that it impales you
0: i guess so yeah i really hope you don't fuck up that angle yeah you could just like really yeah <laughs> it's just all if bad you fall
1: and it just like skids away but it only like stabbed you like a couple inches oh, yeah that would be horrible ouch so many better ways uh, but no, he's really dramatic. He threw himself on his own sword. Yeah. Um, to summarize the rest of the story so you know how it ends, the contenders for the throne are David and Saul's last son. I'm going to say it's is- Ish-bosheth because I didn't bother to look it up. Um, with factions supporting each of those contenders, they fight. David wins. David is king. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know because and it's fine to not know shit i don't know shit um this david is david of david and goliath the david who played a secret chord that pleased the lord michelangelo Mm -hmm. is david father of solomon who built the temple david like this is all the same dude yeah um i guess he also had like a shit ton of wives and committed adultery at some
0: point he um he loved to fuck and he loved to murder people and that's why he's our great king (laughs) and that's why he is our emotional support king and we love him so much and uh he wrote a bunch of songs and he was super hot so that may have something to do with it
1: We, we just forgave all but yeah I read about how awesome he was and then some of the stuff he did I'm like something doesn't make sense here <laughs> what mm-hmm. what yep. um, mm-hmm. but yeah his story is interesting it was fun to read but thus ends this wandering tale of Samuel and Saul in the Witch of Endor nice
0: I liked it I only knew the basics I didn't know most of that that was cool I didn't know any of it. (laughs) The (sighs) Bible. The Bible. Bible. What a weird old book.
1: Yeah, I genuinely didn't know much about how it was constructed or where things were in it or what part talked about what. I still could not tell you. um, Like, which books belonged to which part of the bible and um i probably couldn't even tell you what some of the books are they sound made up what like ephesians and all kinds of weird shit
0: there's so many weird things yeah those ones like ephesians thessalonians corinthians romans those are all in the new testament because that's saint paul writing letters to people
1: Mm mm-hmm and it, yeah. it all just sounds fake to me. You could throw in another Ians in there, and I would never know the difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: Galatians. No, that one's real. I can't. Yeah, think I have of any no fake idea. Ones. Yeah, I could be lying about all of it. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. It's been a great learning experience. Yeah, maybe we'll come back to the Bible at some point, but I personally don't feel like it right now. <laughs>
1: the catholic says fuck the bible (laughs) we'll get back to it eventually
0: yeah that's what all catholics do in case you didn't know we're the ones who don't read the bible
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is why sarah and i get along as we have entirely too (laughs) much in (laughs) common
0: i like the bible for like the language and like the cool little stories and Like, I like to learn about, like, the prophets and stuff. I don't... It's not a book that I choose to read for my own, like, fulfillment, if that makes (laughs) sense.
1: No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. There's some plot points that were, like, really cool, but then, like, you hit an entire chapter of, like, just people's names, and it's like, why? Yeah. This this isn't fun anymore.
0: (laughs) So, in... um, (laughs) like for like during mass we have like um we have basically the same readings each year like so on the same day of every year you'll have like the same reading probably like on March 14th or whatever it's gonna be probably one of three readings anyway so for Christmas time (laughs) that still is in effect even though like It should always be Luke that we read on Christmas Eve because Luke actually tells the nativity story and is like, oh, there was no room at the inn. Like, Luke is by far the best storyteller out of the Gospels. But sometimes it's just your fucking luck and you get Matthew. And Matthew's like, and this is the genealogy of Jesus. (laughs) You're like, fuck. And then it's just like five minutes of like... And Rehoboam was the father of Aminadab. <laughs> and you're like, I want to die. Yeah. That's sucks. not leisure reading. No. That's not pleasure reading. No. He's not a good storyteller. No. Luke,
1: though. But it, yeah. Luke's good. He seems pretty, pretty chill. Yeah. A man with a, a shriveled hand in his
0: pocket. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdo. Every September, like clockwork.
1: That I like dude his just vibe.
0: <laughs> digs out the dead hand again. We could have been friends. Yeah. I feel exhausted and I did like Me almost too. no work. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like work though in a good way, but I'm like always so exhausted.
1: Yeah, every time we do an episode. Um There's so much goes into it and then like you expel it in like 40 minutes and it's like you don't understand. There was like seven and a half like days behind this of endless research. Uh,
0: Thank you so much for listening. We had a blast talking about the Bible. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll see you next time. And thanks be to God. Blessed be.